Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hi, I'm Leighton Hewitt, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. We are supported by BNP Paribas. It is day one of Wimbledon and we come to you from the broadcast roof here at the All England Club. It has one of the most spectacular views of anywhere here at the All England Club. The sun has been shining. It is just dipping behind the flats in the distance. There is a plane coming in to land. Blue skies up above, wispy white clouds. And I'm David Law, a BBC Radio 5 Live commentator, joined with Catherine Whitaker, who's been working for Live at Wimbledon. We can just see the studio in the distance, Catherine, that you've been sitting alongside Mats Verlander in. But day one of Wimbledon is very nearly in the books. There are still a few matches going on, aren't there? Grigor Dimitrov's out there at the moment on court number one. Stan Wawrinka's just won. Novak Djokovic a winner earlier. But how's your day been? It's been fantastic. I mean, as you described, this is the most wonderful setting and I get to spend all day in it, sitting quite literally in Mats Verlander's shadow. It literally... And uh, and metaphorically, um, so yes, it's been a fantastic day. A little, a little bit warm. I'm not complaining about the weather, but in that studio, as wonderful as it is, it's a little bit of a hot box. But on the good side, it does overlook Court 18, which today was the scene of the biggest, the biggest drama, the biggest story. Um, we were practically part of the heroics of Liam Brody, so that was something really special. Yeah, Liam Brody, who came back from two sets to love down to win through against Marinko Matosovic. That's one of the stories we'll be talking to about today here on the Tennis Podcast. As we sum up the day's play, we look forward to tomorrow will be here with you every single day of the Wimbledon Championships and a good man to talk to about Liam Brody's heroics is Jonathan Liu from the Telegraph who was covering that match. Jonathan, how was it? It was wonderful sporting occasion. I mean you, you come you come to, to Wimbledon a lot as, as a, a punter or, or, or a journalist and you're so used to covering these bonfire of the Brits on day one. It, it was so lovely to have a a really good British underdog story and a success on, on the first morning almost. And it wasn't a bad opponent in some ways, was it, for him to face? Because I heard Liam's, Leon Smith, the, uh, the Davis Cup captain of Britain, saying that they sent Brody out to just be a wall because Marinko Matosovic has got a bit of a reputation for being a bit flaky. And I suppose to some degree he proved that, didn't he? Yeah, what, what's the, the record? Of, I think something like 13 first round exits in a Grand Slam before he, he won his, his first Grand Slam match and, and yeah he, he can produce pretty de- you know, decent winners on, on the day but he, he, he really shanked a lot he was, um, he was puffing and, and huffing by the fourth or fifth sets and uh, 
it was it was really um, one of the matches that, that Brody should have targeted as a win, and, and that's what he did. And his Grand Slam debut, and there was a bit of aggro out there, wasn't there as well? There was a, a few choice words exchanged here and there. Well, yeah, I'm not sure if, uh, if we've got a family audience here, but <laughs> a lot of the language out on Court 18 was not suitable for a family broadcast. At one stage, Brody did get a, a warning for a court violation from the umpire, um, uh, and he wasn't quite happy with that. He said, he said something like, uh, well, the guys in top three in the world on centre court, they don't get violations for this kind of stuff, so, so why am I doing it? But the most important thing was he, he managed to re recover his focus. And also, he's got enough prize money sloshing around from this week already so far to pay that fine. 47,000 quid, he's guaranteed. It's not bad, this Wimbledon Lark, is it? It's not bad. And the, the fact that he, he got a wild card, which guaranteed him 29,000. And I think he said afterwards that this money, it'll just go disappear into a black hole. It, it goes to paying his way around the world for 35, 40 weeks a year. It goes to paying for hotels, paying for kit and, and coaches. So it, he's not going to be buying a, a new Porsche anytime soon. No, absolutely not. And he plays David Goffin of Belgium next. That's a tough second round opponent, but well done to Liam Brody. Now the big names were out in force today. Novak Djokovic came out into the sunshine on centre court to open the centre court action as the defending champion. And against a guy who we were talking about yesterday, Catherine, who's pretty much the nightmare first round opponent, the 33, 33rd ranked player in the world, just one place outside of seeding in Philip Kohlschreiber. He did the job pretty well, didn't he, Djokovic? Four, four and four. He did. He, uh, he exceeded my expectations. Um, as uh, I was very convinced uh, by Simon Briggs yesterday in our preview show saying that, that Djokovic looked a bit tired and I, in, in his pre-tournament pre press and I actually looked back over a bit of that and I could see that in his face he did look a bit tired. But then, lo and behold, of course, he came out and made us all look a bit silly today. And really, I mean, it wasn't a demolition job by any means. He wasn't in top gear, but he really handily took care of as you say, the, the worst player you could possibly draw. It's very interesting. If David Ferrer had withdrawn from the tournament just, I think it was an hour and a half or two hours earlier, just before the order of play that came out, the lucky loser, the uh, seeds would have been adjusted. Philip Kohlschreiber would have got that 30-second seeding and it would have been the lucky loser facing Novak Djokovic on centre court. So how annoyed do you think Philip Kohlschreiber is putting in a call to David Ferrer saying, couldn't you just have got a wiggle on yesterday? Yeah, we're always talking about how it's a rough draw for Novak Djokovic. Imagine if you're Philip Kohlschreiber. You turn up at Wimbledon, you can't wait to play and you draw the world number one. It's a blooming nightmare, isn't it? But there were a couple of points in that match where... I've seen a lot of Novak Djokovic, but still the jaw was on the floor at the court coverage of the man. I mean, he, he is Mr. Elastic. We've known that for a while. But on this surface, he seems to, to move just, I mean, maybe Federer is, is the, most, the beaut most beautiful of movers on the surface, but the most spectacular is Djokovic. Yeah, well, he does that. that he slides on grass, which is something that, that Rafael Nadal... Uh, has perfected as well. We'll see him in action tomorrow. But yeah, he he does. He seems to sort of treat the uh, the grass as a bit of an ice rink. Really, he glides around it and and literally slides around it, which is quite uh, quite amazing. I mean, as you say, Federer seems to sort of ballet dance around the court. It's a very different kind of elegant movement, whereas Djokovic is just sort of gliding. I read one of your stories earlier today, Jonathan, uh, that you wrote about. Uh, Johanna Conta, and uh, she was in action today against Maria Sharapova, talking about rough draws. Get Maria Sharapova first up when you've had a good run the way she has. But, and she was fairly comprehensively beaten 6-2, 6-2, but didn't disgrace herself. 
No, she competed, and and that's really the most she could have expected to do I, I guess you know when you're facing somebody who's, who's won here who's won all those Grand Slam titles it was a rough draw and, and I think she's got the Williams sisters in the in the doubles so uh, <laughs> the, the, she done wrong I know the draw hasn't exactly been, been very kind to her but she competed she broke Sharapova's serve at one stage she was aggressive she showed intent and it didn't happen for her today but she'll take so much from that now, third onto the centre court was Stan Vavrinka, the French Open champion, another match that I've just come out of the commentary box from describing for BBC Radio. And he was a little bit lacklustre, actually, Catherine. He won in straight sets against Joao Sousa, who he'd also beaten in straight sets a year ago. But Stan was clutching at his left hamstring. He looked, he looked a bit tired, to be honest. I mean, I suppose it's hardly surprising given the exertions of the French Open period. But the thing with him... If he stays in the draw and he gets to play a big name at a, an advanced stage of the tournament, you know that he can, he can turn it on. He can get inspired, and an inspired Stan Wawrinka is still capable of doing great things here. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think for him it's just about hanging in there this week. I think he's very vulnerable this week, and it's no great surprise to me that, uh, that he did look a bit tired today. More worrying is the hamstring, whether there's actually something specifically wrong, but I think just the general state of fatigue and perhaps lack of inspiration, even though it's centre court and it's Wimbledon, you know, I, 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 I can sympathise with that. And uh, I think if he can just hang in there and get into those big matches in the second week, there's no reason why he can't do what he did in Paris. I know this isn't his favoured surface, but he... He obviously is just capable of anything. Mats Verlander in our studio today said that on his day, he's probably the best in the world. So, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping he will come on the podcast one day this week and uh, say that himself. But I can quote, he said, on very specifically on his day, because as we know, his day is less frequent that, you know, Novak Djokovic has his day every day, pretty much, apart from on the one day he really needed it. But he said on his day, for, there's a good case of Vavrinka being the best in the world. He's certainly one of the most spectacular, that is without questioning. And, and he still keeps on going. Now, we had the sad sight of the end of Leighton Hewitt's singles career here at Wimbledon. Today, he lost 11-9 in the fifth set against Jarko Niemann, who's also playing in his final Wimbledon. And you know how I how I'm really good at predictions, Catherine. I did say early stages of the third set, which uh, Hewitt won 6-4. I said, he's going to lose this 11-9 in the th fifth set. Honestly. It, is that on record somewhere? Because I'm clearly not going to believe you unless it's written down somewhere. I've got witnesses. David, you tweet every one of your thoughts about <laughs> tennis and you chose not to tweet this one. So I just no, I don't didn't. believe you. Okay, well, that did happen, and Leighton Hewitt has gone. Uh, but Jonathan, it's, he's played here more than half of his life. I mean, he's grown up as a tennis player. It's, it's been an amazing story watching this kid. I remember when he turned pro as a 16-year-old and, and got to, to beat Andre Agassi in Adelaide, and he was just, just a child, basically. And he's had a great career, hasn't he? He has, and with really... Very few of the the traditional gifts that, that you would you would associate with a, with a top player. He doesn't have a massive serve. He, he's not huge. He's not terribly strong. But what he's got is this incredible scrapping spirit. And if he hadn't coincided with with the the era of Federer and Nadal, and you know, there's every possibility he could have won. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now. And we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas. You will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. A few more here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we wish Leighton Hewitt all the very best. He will carry on until his 20th Australian Open in January, but no more Wimbledon singles championships for Leighton Hewitt. Now, on court number one today, Serena Williams got her campaign underway, but it wasn't really vintage Serena either, was it? It was a bit Stan Wawrinka-like. She played a, a, an unheralded name, and she did struggle for a while. Yeah, it was very reminiscent of all of her performances in Paris, in fact. Really slow start, looking like she was in trouble, which I wasn't really expecting. Again, off the back of Simon Briggs describing how bubbly she was, and again, I'd seen some evidence of that myself from seeing her pre-tournament press. She really was in bubbly mood over the weekend. I thought it would be a very different Serena to the one uh, we saw in Paris, and maybe it yet will be, but this was a very Parisian performance, wasn't it? It was uh, it was lulling everyone into a false sense of security and making everyone poised for the upset. And of course, then it you know she roared, roared, accelerated to the finish line, as she did for seven matches in Paris. Absolutely, she was followed onto the court by Kane Ishikuri, and I think if you remember, I thought that was going to be one of the big upsets that Bellelli was going to take out Nishikori when it went to the fifth set. But eventually, Nishikori just about came through. I've, I'm afraid Simon Briggs picked that one perfectly, didn't he? He's annoying, it's isn't he? It's really annoying. We invite these people on and they make us look silly, David. We need to, we need to invite a lower calibre of guest in future to make Stop us looking look at good. Jonathan. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he picked it perfectly. He said he'll really challenge him. Nishikori will probably look a bit dodgy, but Bellelli doesn't quite have the strength and the consistency to actually bring it home. And that was exactly what happened. Well, what we will be doing is finding out whether Simon Briggs has actually got the upper hand over us because we're going on the record. Uh, there'll be a p- website page every single day on the Telegraph website over the course of this fortnight where Simon Briggs, the tennis, tennis correspondent of the Telegraph, will be pitting his wits against Catherine and myself in daily predictions, show court matches on centre court, court number one, and a match of the day on the outside courts. Have you already got your thoughts ready for tomorrow's order of play Catherine uh, no but I I mean it's it's like it's like stabbing in the dark isn't it my <laughs> prediction so I can assemble them pretty quickly absolutely now one person who is playing tomorrow here Jonathan that hasn't been seen here for a couple of years Laura Robson she's back she's going to be playing and you've been writing about her recently yeah it's brilliant isn't it I mean I I, I don't know I, she, she divides opinion sometimes Laura Robson I love her I think she's just a, a really great character. I love the way she plays. And, it, yeah, it has been too long. It's been two years since she, she reached the fourth round here. Um, we don't know how she'll do. 
she's she's still feeling her way back after that that really awful wrist injury that she's had for so long. But um, I just think it's just she'll just be delighted to be back. I think. Am I right in thinking that she's playing back to back with Eugenie Bouchard tomorrow? Yeah, that might be quite interesting. They're playing back to back on court three. Robson's uh, Robson's going out and uh, Bouchard's coming in. And I wonder if they'll high five on the on the exit. I don't think they will somehow. They've not actually seen eye to eye. They, they, they did used to be best of buds, didn't they, Catherine? Because they recorded that Gangnam Style music video together in locations all around the world. But they fell out. Yeah, very soon after that, Jeannie Bouchard started telling the world that she didn't believe in having friends on tour. So that's a pretty disastrous falling out by, by anyone's standards, I think. To, for it not only to put you off that individual, but for it to put you off having friends all together, I think that goes down as pretty momentous. Do you know what? I find that quite refreshing. The fact that Eugenie Bouchard is not afraid to have a bit of aggro and have a bit of uh, atmosphere with her opponents. Yeah, it's, it's like the, the plot of... Macaulay Culkin film Richie Rich in reverse isn't it an incredibly rich person gives away all their friends uh, she, she, she has this uh, she has this incredibly single minded determination she wants to do it herself she's not afraid to be disliked or, or, or you know disregarded on, on tour and, and in a way that's quite refreshing what we've seen in the, in the last few weeks in the last few months where her form has slumped pretty dramatically is can she really do this on her own does she need more people around her does she need more support and this is the first real big trial of her career. It is. Now, on the centre court tomorrow, we start with the Wimbledon champion in the ladies' singles. Petra Kvitova takes to the court. I saw her practising today at Orangi Park, Catherine. She looked really happy to be back. Looked as though... I mean, I know she's not had the greatest of times this year. She's, she's had some low moments. She's had to take a, a period of time out of the game. But she just looked happy to be back. She plays Kiki Burtons of the Netherlands tomorrow. But as we heard from Simon Briggs yesterday, and who apparently suddenly seems to know everything about the game gets every prediction right he reckons she could go out in the first round yeah well I mean that's on the basis of her having pulled out of Eastbourne due to this uh, illness so I think if you're saying she looks really happy and uh, relaxed on the practice courts that's probably strong indication that that's no longer troubling her and probably puts her back in pole position I would say for that first round match it is a tough draw but really Petra Gritura should take care of Kiki Burton's Thereafter we have uh, Roger Federer against the Bosnian and Herzegovinian player Damir Juma and Federer played him uh, I think a few weeks ago and, and took care of him pretty handily he shouldn't have any problems on grass should he? He did and I don't expect him to have any problems but uh, worth tuning into that one just to sort of hear the story of uh, Damazid Juma because he's really really interesting one of the few players there's a lot of players that have actually come out of Bosnia but most of them have moved to Croatia because there's such lack of infrastructure even by comparison to Serbia and Croatia uh, Marin Cilic is originally from Bosnia he is he stayed in Bosnia and, and to hear him talk about what it was like uh, growing up there with absolutely zero infrastructure and the length he went to to play tennis he's got no sponsors I mean certainly that was true in Paris but I don't know whether he's picked any up since then he's a really interesting guy and uh, inspirational that he's made it to where he is and uh, wonderful for him to get to go out on centre court tomorrow against his idol growing up Roger Federer and after that Jonathan Andy Murray time. He's up against uh, Mikhail Kukushkin of Kazakhstan. I think they played against each other at the Australian Open earlier this year. And Andy Murray looks to me as serene, as happy in his own skin as I think I've ever seen him here. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's 
the best way of putting it. As a newspaper man, I, I should probably be hoping for a little bit of drama, a little bit of edge of your seat time. But the, the thing about Murray, especially at Wimbledon, is that he, he doesn't do first round scares. He, he's, he's the most professional, like him and Djokovic probably, you describe Nadal as probably a nervous starter, even Federer sometimes. Djokovic and Murray just seem to sail through these first weeks. I may have tempted fate there, but but uh, yeah, he, he, he's really good at these first rounds matches and, and getting off on the right foot. I saw him practicing earlier today. He had Amelie Moresmo at his side. He had Jonas Bjorkman out there, and Bjorkman just seems to be having a life. Riley being back on the tennis court. <laughs> Yeah, he does. He's gone from Strictly Come Dancing uh, studio to the tennis court with uh, Andy Murray. That I mean, that's the very definition of the life of Riley, I think. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, opening the court one schedule is going to be Rafael Nadal against Thomas Bellucci. So two left-handers going at it there. Simona Halep will follow that one. She's up against Jana Chipolova of uh, Slovakia. And then Thomas Burditch against the flashy Frenchman, Jeremy Chardy. That could be a fun match to watch. Yeah, it could be a fun match. I, uh, I don't think... I expect Burditch to lose but I do expect him to be a bit troubled um, I think he'll need to produce some pretty good tennis and uh, I think what happened to him in Paris um, has well it'll be interesting to see how much it's affected him and, and uh, I don't think he like well I'm, I'm, I'm making big assumptions here but I rather suspect that he doesn't like that he's not being talked about at all here. I mean, I have not heard anybody mention the name Thomas Burditch, despite him being basically one of the, outside of the top four, the most consistent player on the tour this year. Aside from the French Open, he's reached quarterfinals of better of every single event he's played this year. And he's a, he's a former semi, he's a former finalist even, and he's got this new coaching setup with Danny Valverde. It all is supposedly going brilliantly for him, and yet I've not heard one person utter his name in the context of contenders for the title. I think he'll like that though you know go under the radar nice maybe I think some characters do and I think maybe in some situations but I think maybe he feels I just get the sense I could be completely wrong and if anybody out there knows Thomas Burditch better than I do and uh, can tell me I'm wrong that's absolutely fine but I just get the feeling he thinks he should be being mentioned every now and then just a bit would be polite, wouldn't it? Let's be honest. Uh, other matches that are going to be on tomorrow on number two court, Joe Wilfred Songer against Gilles Muller. I think that was your tip for a shock, wasn't it? It, it is, and I think I'm standing by it. I don't think anything's happened in the last 24 hours to convince me that, uh, that that's not going to be a shot. I, I, yeah, I think Songa, his health is uh, still has a question mark over it. And we've seen what Gilles Muller can do at Queen's. I think anybody needs to be pretty much on the top of their game to get past Gilles Muller on grass. And one gets the sense that Songa isn't. It is a jam-packed day at Wimbledon on Tuesday. What are we going to be reading about in the Telegraph tomorrow, Jonathan? What are you writing? Well, I, I think you might be seeing a front page on the Brodie uh, siblings, the Brodie bunch, as we've, we've called them. Uh, we're not quite sure how Naomi's done, but uh, it's, it's, it's a real feel-good British story for day one. That's, uh, that's what our readers like to read. Absolutely. Well, been great having you with us, uh, Jonathan, here on the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. We are supported by BNP Paribas, the bank for a changing world. And we will be back every single day during Wimbledon. And we'll speak to you tomorrow.
Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.